this time of year, the Musar Svarim say that it's important to make a Kabbalah, to be Makabal on oneself something that they want to improve in, some, something in life that you know, we all know what that thing might be, something that we know that we're weak in, and perhaps we could change. And that sounds a little scary, it sounds radical, because nobody really wants to change, everybody sort of is happy with the status quo, and if you're thinking that way, then that's good, because the Bali Musar continue and they say that when you do make a change, when you do decide that there's something I think that I should be altering a drop in my life, the smaller the better. If you do something too radical, if you say, okay, from now on I am going to, uh, you know, wear ten pairs of tzitzis every day, you know, because that's what I feel I need to do, that's going to last about three minutes and then it's going to not happen. If a person is able to make a very, 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 very little Kabbalah, the smaller the better, that's doable, that's something that is really, really important to, for ourselves, and it's important for Hashem. It shows that we're really trying to rectify certain things, we're trying to improve, and we're doing something honest, and we're doing something real, and we're doing something that hopefully will have a positive impact on other things in our life as well. If we start with one thing, hopefully there'll be like a domino effect, and other things will eventually fall into place as well. So, for example, Rav Shach, Zechitzad was asked, did you make a Kabbalah this year? And, not this year, this year, but, you know, that year that the story happened. And he says, yes, I did. So they were expecting Rav Shach to say something, you know, this year I'm going to chazer Shas three times. And they asked him, would you mind if the Rashiva would share with us, like, what, what was your Kabbalah? He says, it's a little personal, I'd rather not. He said, come on, just share it, tell us. He says, okay, I'll tell you what it was. He says, I made a Kabbalah that when I bench, I will bench out of a bencher. He says, and the Kabbalah is not even for the whole year. I want to bench out of a bencher from Rosh Hashanah until Hanukkah. A few months. And it's not when I go away from home, because sometimes I'm not at home and, you know, I don't have a bencher on me. But I'm eating, so what am I going to do? The Kabbalah is when I'm home, when I have a bencher at home for three months from Rosh Hashanah till Hanukkah, I'm going to bench out of a bencher. That was my Kabbalah for this year. That's Rav Shach. If that's Rav Shach's Kabbalah, we could probably, you know, do something a lot less than that. And that would be Chashev. But the point is that Musr is not supposed to be like a big mountain that we like stare at and get nervous from and, you know, and just like run away. Musr is something that we should find something that's doable and just do it. And not make such a big deal about it. Just find something that is as small as small can be. And that's doable. That I feel I'm comfortable accepting. I feel that I could do it. I feel my wife, you know, would not want to leave me if I come home and tell her this is what I'm doing. 
and you know my kids can handle it and, and everything could go on as, as is. I just it's something like a personal Kabbalah that I could make that will improve myself a little bit and I'll feel good about myself and I'll and, and, and I think it will have you know far reaching effects with other things in my life. I'll tell you what I was macabre on myself last year. I'm not Rav Shach at all, okay? Let's get that, let's put that out there right away. But I'll tell you what my Kabbalah was, and I'll tell you why I was macabre it, and, and I think it really, I, I really stuck to it, not all the time, but I would say a lot of the time, and I feel it really helped me, and I think it's not a bad idea. In fact, I said, I said it last year, and a lot of guys in Lander actually did it as well, and, and they did it a lot better than I did it. There's a Yerushalmi in Chagiga. The Yerushalmi is in Perak Aleph, first Perak of Chagiga, and it quotes a Pasuk in Yermiyohu Tezayin. And the Pasuk says, V'aisi azavu, you abandoned me, v'asteirasi shamaru." And not only did you abandon me, but you didn't keep my Torah. And so Chazal say, Halavai, Aisi azavu, the Gemara is darshing this Pasuk. But basically, whatever the Pasuk, however you want to plug it into the Pasuk, this is basically what the Gemara is saying. Hashem is saying through this Pasuk in Yermio that Halavai, you should abandon me. Don't believe, don't, 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 don't stick to me. I'm not, I'm fine with you not being so into me, says Hashem. Just hold on to the Torah, keep the Torah, don't, even if you're, even if it's a godless tyra, even if it's, uh, you know, it doesn't come along with me, that's okay. Keep the tyra. Why? Shahamar sheba machzira lamuta. Because the light that's emanating from the tyra, if you're keeping the tyra, the light that shines out of the tyra will automatically bring you back and better you. Meaning that shuva is something that. The Torah will draw you into. The Torah will lead you to Torah. We say this in davening every day, right? We say, um, what do we say? Hashivein avin l'sarasecha, thank you. Hashivein avin l'sarasecha, bring me back to your Torah. Hashivein avin l'sarasecha, v'karveinu makinu l'avedasecha, and tiravayda, v'achazireinu b'shuba shleim l'fnecha. You keep the Torah, you're going to do tshuva. Keep the Torah. Keep the mitzvahs of Torah. Learn Torah. Even if you don't really believe in God, just keep the Torah and you'll come back to Hashem because the Torah will yank you. The Torah will pull you back to it. The ma'ar sheba machzir The light of the Torah itself will be like a dazzling light that will suck you in back into the, back into the world of Hashem and the world of Kedusha. What we see from this Gemara is that there's a certain light of Tyra. And if a person is able to bask in that light of Tyra, that is a great vehicle to do tshuva. If we really want to come together during El and figure out how we're going to do tshuva, it's very easy. The Gemara is telling us, somehow tap into the light of Tyra. Now, the Rav was saying the real way to tap into the light of Tyra, and that is 
getting a chavrusa or going to a shir, and amela satayra, yegiya satayra, like haravanya and whatever, whatever you want to use, any any type of the 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 adjectives and the verbs that you want to use to describe what it takes to really learn taira, that's the way you're going to get the marsh of a taira. We know that feeling when you're able to learn with a chavrus and you're getting into it or you're going to a geshmakashir or to a great drasha and, you know, there's something special, there's something that is enlightening to that and it's something like it, you, it's something otherworldly, it's something that, that, that really a person could feel kedusha from. And that's great. That's definitely the, the Pashtab Shad and the Gemara. I like taking shortcuts. Because it's hard to learn, and, and this is not saying that you shouldn't learn, you definitely should learn. But in case you're you know you're wondering, okay, I, I like what he's saying, the marsh of Atshuva, if I could somehow tap into Tara, that would help my Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the Yemadin, the whole year would be enlightened. That's great, but you know, is there an easier way to do it? Is there an alternate way for me, short of actually breaking my head and learning every single day, is there another way for me to get the marsh of a terror that will lure me into the world of tshuva, that will help out my, my whole life? And I think that there is. Again, not as a substitute for learning. You have to learn. But additionally, or, or if we can't learn so much, what do you do? How do you get that marsh to be masayulamutav? If you look in Parshas Kisave, the Pasuk says, in Parat Chavzayin Pasuk Chavav, Aror asher lo yokim es divrei ha-tayr ha-zois la-sais aisam. It's one of those sukim with the arors, you know, ha-grizim, ha-eval. One of the arors, one of the, the list of the, I think it's 12 arors, is cursed is the person that doesn't lift up the Tyra to do it, or keep the Tyra. So the Ramban brings a different Yerushalmi in Saita that asks what does it mean? Cursed is the person that doesn't lift up the Tyra. Was the Tyra on the floor? What does that mean? That you don't pick up the Tyra. Is there a Tyra in This is the, the cash of the Yerushalmi. So the Gemara says, Reb Shimon ben Yakim Aimer, Zeha Chazan. This is the Chazan, which also is confusing. What does that mean? It's the Chazan, the Chazan picking up the tire from the floor. So the Ramban explains on this pasuk, the Nira al Hachazan she'enai mekayim, make him safer tire al atzibar laharis pnei kisivase lachel. The Chazan is the person in the shul that was charged, that was honored with lifting up the Torah, which is what we call Hagba. Asher, our Asher Layakim is if you don't do Hagba on the Torah. There is a mitzvah to be Magbia the Torah, says the Ramban, to show the Tzibor, the Pnei say the face of the writing of the Torah, which is what we're doing when we're doing Hagba, so that everybody is supposed to, and sometimes a guy does Hagba and he just lifts it up like this and he sits down. That's not right. You have to show the entire Tzibur. You have to do like a 360, uh, showing the entire Tzibur, the Pnei Tzibasli. They should all see the words of the Torah. As 
Mesecha Seifrim says, Shemak people on the right hand side, people on the left hand side, and in the front of the shul, on the back of the shul, everybody should see the Torah by Hagba. Shem mitzvah lechal anoshim lehanoshim laharos hakasuv. It's a mitzvah for everybody, men and women. Sometimes, you know, there are people that say women shouldn't look at the Torah at certain times. Then it's not true. The Ramban says everybody, men, women, everybody should see the Torah. Liros haksiv lechroya v'loymar v'zayis haTorah shesamaysha. Like what we say, that's the pasuk that everybody's supposed to say when they see the face of the Torah, the ksiva of the Torah. And if you don't do that, that's our Asher Yakim, Mr. Bad Torah says. You have to physically lift up Yakim. You have to be, you have to be making the Torah. You have to show the Torah to everybody. Now the Shulchan Aruch in the Ber Hetev and the Mishnah Bura brings in Arizal. And the Arizal says that he used to be mistakel heitib isis and shayya makiram lekrisam you ever see these guys in shul like when by hagba they run over to say and they're like looking at it and you think like they're crazy it's actually an arizal the arizal says that it's very important when you're being when there's hagba when you're being magbia the saver tyra that you should go to the saver tyra Look at the ICS up close, not from a distance, from the back of the shul. You know, you can't really, you could see, uh, you know, unless you have really, really good eyesight, you know, you, maybe you could sort, sort of see like, uh, you know, something in the Torah, but you don't see the letters. You have to go really close to the Torah, so close that you can actually make out words of the Torah. And if you're able to see the Torah in that way, and the Arizal used to say, listen to the Lashon of the Arizal. The Arizal used to say, If you go so close to the Torah, they're able to read up, read these letters, there's an Ar Gadol, there's a tremendous light that you're able to bring upon yourself when you do that. Meaning that by a person, by Hagba, going over to a Sefer Torah and looking at those letters up close, so much so that you could read it, when you do that, you are surrounded, you are drawing into your neshama, into yourself, a mar gadol, an ar gadol, a, a tremendous light of Torah. It sort of is echoing, I think, the Yerushalmi that the Ar Shabbatayr, the Mar Shabbaz, Machsir Lamutav, if you're able to anyway tap into the Torah, you could tap into it by learning for a long time. That's one beautiful, that's the, the best way to do it. But a simpler way, if you want to just at least get some Mar Shabbat, if you're Makabal and yourself, Lineder, to go over to the Sefer Torah during Hagba and look closely at those ICAs, to get the R, that R is going to change your life. That's going to bring you closer. There's something about that R of the ICS of the Sefer Torah that you read up close during Agba. You're able to tap into that R Gado, and that will be the first step of Tshuva. I was macabre on myself last year to try to do this Flinadr to the best of my ability, and I said it in Lander, and at least at the beginning of the year, there was literally a mob scene 
by Hagba. Every single time there was, it was already like a joke. It was like in the other Rabbeim, they didn't hear my drasha. So they didn't know what was going on. They thought it was like a fire, fire drill or something. Like all of a sudden, everybody started making a beeline to the... And everybody's like staring and like pushing and shoving like to get close to the Sefer Torah. And it was, taka, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I think that it attaches a person to the Sefer Torah and to Torah B'chlau when a person is able to at least look at those letters and know that the Arizal, no one short of the Arizal said that you're able to tap into R. It's whatever it means, but there's an R that's Maxir Lamutov. I want to share a story with you that I read in a, in a certain book. I think it's a, a, a gorgeous story. Um, and I think it, it will, in a way, be very uh, instructive in this, uh, this that we're talking about this evening. There was a, a Jew who it was a European Yid, and he came to America about 10 years before this story happened. And he was very ambitious, and he was a brilliant guy. And within a short amount of time, his business started flourishing. He came with, without a shirt on his back, and, you know, like many of these, uh, you know, Europeans. And, and before you know it, you know, he started building up a business, and it went... It, it went, you know, crazy, and, and, and like, he, he became worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And ten years later, when he was a really very, very chashev established the uh, Balabas, he decided, okay, now it's time for me to build a house, you know, kidabai, like a real house that everybody will know that I've arrived. I'm not, a, I'm not one of these greenhorns anymore that don't, you know, with the, I, I'm... I made it, and this is the house that's going to be my trophy house that everybody will know with a shadow of a doubt how much I'm worth and how brilliant I am, how successful I am. And so he decided, he was a very, you know, everything he did, he did with, you know, with, with everything that he had, and he did things, made very quick decisions, and he, and he stood by them, and he decided, okay, he called some brokers, I'm looking in a certain neighborhood, and I need a very large piece of land because I'm going to be building a big mansion. And all of a sudden, the brokers started jumping all over him and finding this piece of land, that piece of land, and everyone had a mile and a chisarn. Finally, he settled on one huge tract of land, and he quickly closed on it. And that was the first phase, a huge acres and acres of land. And then the next phase was he hired the fanciest architect to build him this monstrosity of a house, a huge mansion with like who knows how many bedrooms and bathrooms and all these things. And, and uh, he found that perfect architect, a very hush of a French architect, and he designed it with a certain European flair. And then he needed a contractor, and he found a very hush of a contractor, and very quickly this, uh, you know, they started digging up the foundation, pouring concrete and cement, and and the house started taking shape, and it took, you know, a shorter amount of time than anybody thought that he, but he was very pushy, and he pushed through, and finally, you know, everything was perfect, the windows and the doors and the doorknobs, and everything was mamish perfect. And he was so proud of it, he made a big Hanukkah Sabayas, and, you know, he invited the whole community there, and he was very, very, very proud of this accomplishment of his. Two weeks after the Hanukkah Sabayas, 
there was a knock on the door, and he opens up the door, and it was this very waspy, guyish woman. And she introduces herself, her name is Mrs. Winters, and he says, very nice to meet you, what can I do for you? She says, I'll tell you what you could do for me, you can get rid of this monstrosity of a house. He says, what do you mean, get rid of this monstrosity of a house? I built it, I, I bought the land, she said, well, I beg to differ. And she pulls out her, her, the deed to her house, and sure enough, her house, which was next door, really was a very big property, and she took him outside for a tour, and she says that my property line actually runs right through the center of your house. And he looked at the paper, he was a very smart guy, he hopped right away that she was right, apparently the real estate broker probably scammed him, or something happened wrong, I don't know what happened to the title insurance, maybe he didn't have title insurance, something happened. But at the end of the day, he realized that he had no choice. He says, what can I do? So he says, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give you money. Money solves all problems, right? She says, do I look like a woman that needs money? She was wearing like a fur coat. She had a limo driver waiting in the front. I don't, money doesn't mean it. I want this thing knocked down. Just knock it down to the ground. Get the wrecking ball. Knock it down. It's my land that you built on. And too bad. He didn't know what to do. He hired a team of lawyers and they sent her letters and she had an equally hush of a team of lawyers and returning the letters and, you know, you have two weeks to, to knock it down or else we're going to, you know, sue you and this and that. And he didn't know what to do. Here he is. He built this gorgeous house. He spent tens of millions of dollars on it. And, you know, he, he has no choice. I mean, it seems like there was, he was at an impasse. There's no, there no way out. She didn't want his money. She just wanted him to get rid of the house. He was a Talmud, this Yid, of Rav Shimon Shkop. Shimon Shkop was the great, the great Rosh Hashiva from Europe, and, and he was visiting America. He ended up being a Rosh Hashiva in, uh, in Yeshiva University um, for a while, but he was one of the great Rosh Hashivas in Europe, one of the, the primary Talmudim of Chaim Brisker. And Rib Shimon, he found out, was visiting America. So the first time that he was able to sleep semi-comfortably since this whole fiasco started was the night before Rib Shimon was going to come because he knew that he would go to his Rosh Hashiva, his brilliant Rosh Hashiva, and he would get some, 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 some das terror about what to do. He was going crazy. So... The next morning, he sets out bright and early, goes to the place that Rav Shimon is staying at, and he says, Rebbe, I, I have a big problem. So Rav Shimon says, what's the problem? He says, well, you know, I, I came to America, and as you know, I was very successful. I built a business. I built this house. This woman comes to me, and, and she's right. I built on her land, and she wants me to knock it down. I don't know what to do. What should I do? Sir Shimon strokes his beard and he thinks and he says the only thing I could think of is tomorrow morning is Thursday morning it's going to be Kriya Satira says you're going to buy Hagba tomorrow morning and when you're being Magbiya the Taira you're going to follow the Arizal you're going to stare at the Isis 
the marshaba, the R of the Isis, this light that comes out of the Isis are going to do something for you. They're going to fill you with Kedusha and somehow, some way, this problem is going to resolve itself through the R of Tyro. It's the only way the problem is going to go away. So he listened to his rabbi. The next morning he went and there was the shul that he davened. They bid on the, on the alias, on the kibudim. He bought hagba. And he stared intently at the icy ice. And then they, were, they did glila. And he felt much better right away. As soon as he was able to look at the Isis of the Tyra, it's like the whole world somehow faded into oblivion. And he somehow felt that there was going to be a good result to this problem. That afternoon, I didn't make this story up, this is a true story. That afternoon, the doorbell rings to the house. Mrs. Winters is standing there. And she said, I've had a change of heart. Because perhaps I've been too aggressive with you. After all, you didn't know that you were building on my property. It was all unintentional. You have a right to live in your house. I've changed my mind. And my lawyers will be in contact with your lawyers. And we will come up with some financial settlement. And everything will be okay. Is that okay with you? And he couldn't believe it. He was just in a daze, and, and that was the end of the story. But this is what it means to be able to tap into the Ur of Tyra. Tyra has the answer to everything. The world that we live in, the world that we're surrounded by, is really, it's a world, and we have to reckon with the world. We have to go to work, we have to make money, we have to pay our taxes, we have to... Uh, we have to do what we have to do. But the real world for a Jew, for a, for a Yid, is Tyra. And if a person is able to tap into Tyra, then all the, the rest of the world will be much more manageable. The mitzvah of Hagba is a mitzvah that you lift up the Tyra and you basically say, this is what counts. This Taira that Moshe Rabbeinu gave with Nebnei Yisrael, this is what counts to me. And when you look at the Taira and you say, this is what my life is, this is what my obedience is to, this is what will shape and form and inform my life. That statement, that declaration of the Zaysat Taira, as you're looking at the Isis up close, is the greatest way of starting a day. It's the greatest way of, of having a light light up the darkness of this world. We know that feeling that we get from working hard over a sugya, from listening to a chabura, from being Mavir Sedra with Rashi, from listening to a shir, from saying a chiddish. We know that feeling that we have when we tap into Torah in any form. This is an easy way of tapping in. This is something that the Arizal tells us has R. It's easy. It's not a big deal. And if we're able to tap into Tyra, then that will be transformative. That will change the entire way that we are living our life. Our day at work will be different if we're able to have that glow of Tyra on our face. Our families will be different. Our Shabbos will be different. Our Yontif will be different. 
because any connection to the light of Torah that we're able to take in is priceless. So it's just a, a suggestion. You could think of your own things. Think of your own Kabbalists, this Elul, to go forward and Tufshin pay with. Maybe it's a good time to consider, if you're not already to start, the Rav mentioned Dafyaymi. Dafyaymi is starting January 1st, 2020. New Year's. There's no greater Mechaev every day than the Daf. You have a connection to the Marsha Batayra. I've been giving a Dafyaymi share personally in Lander for about 14 years. We're about to finish the second Machzer. And that's, that's, a, that's a pretty difficult thing with Yeshiva Bachram, to, for them to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning. And it's not always the same Yeshiva Bachram because guys come, guys go. Seth was one of, Seth Fagan uh, was one of my first, uh, was the first Talmud in the Daf, together with a few other Yechidim, and he's, continue, he's still doing the Daf, right? Um, but it's a great thing to consider now. It's a great thing to consider to go to a Shia or to, or to learn with a Chavrusa or to listen to it on the internet. Um, it's an amazing mechayib every single day to have a connection to Tyra. But I'm giving you something really, really simple in addition to all of that. And it's something to consider that it's not a big deal, especially in a shul that's a relatively small based measure. You could probably do it even from your seat. But just to be cognizant of the fact that by Hagba, not to be looking in a safer, not to be staring out a window, and not to be... Uh, Doing, you know, checking your email, but to look at the Torah, to look at the, to look at the words in the Torah up close, and to try to see those beautiful ices, and to allow the kedusha, the R of the ices, to, to influence you, to impact you, just by looking and by concentrating, by focusing intently on those words. It's it's really a, a life changing experience if you understand how powerful it is, which I think the story illustrates how. It could change everything. It could go from, from an uns, un, unsolvable problem, and the light of the Torah could change that. I guess uh, the hour is late, and I just want to take this opportunity to thank the Rub once again for having me here, and uh, it's really a pleasure, really, you know, just to be in a... In a you feel like how special this Eilam is. I'm, I'm the kind of the rub that he has such a such a, a beautiful Eilam uh, to be mashpion, and you could the the you know the, the reputation of this minion precedes it, and everybody knows that it's a place that serious Pnei Taira come to continue their Aliyah, and uh, and Halavai. You should all have a wonderful uh, New Year with all of the brachas that are mitzvahs Taira. You and your rub should all have a, a closer connection to one another and to the Taira and Mitzvah Hashem we should all be Zaycha this year to only Yeshuas and Refuas, Harnasa, Nechama and only good things Lanu L'chal Yisrael